You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SFM. Welcome back. It's uh, 19 minutes past 11. So the 30th of April also marked uh, the end of Freedom Month. And uh, why we're picking up on this is to reflect on how many people in our country felt that there isn't really a reason to celebrate. Many of the people were crying about being poor, unemployed. We know the unemployment rate is so high in our country, uh, 46%. And uh, also the picture that was being painted was that of a very gloomy, one. But then does that make us look like we're a nation of complainers and not appreciating the democracy that so many people died for? Our guest, Kassant Abadar, wrote a very interesting article in the uh, in his new hashtag, Slice of Kassant, where he says South Africa is now 28 and it is time for us to grow up. He's a columnist for Cape Town, etc. In fact, let me uh, read you uh, the quote for you, the first paragraph of uh, that article, if I can see. There it is. Most people have their lives together by the age of 28. We have cut you enough slack, South Africa, uh, over almost three decades. You owe it to all of us to grow up, stop blowing your cash, and start living up to the promise that you showed as a baby. Hi, Gassant. Good morning, Gassant. Good morning. How are you doing? I am very well. But the picture for a twenty-five, a twenty-eight-year-old in um, perhaps, let's say, Cape Town, where you are, and a twenty-eight-year-old in Soweto, very different. Tell me what the thinking was when you wrote your article. So this one is directed um, at South Africa as a nation. You know, mm-hmm. we 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 have been very patient with this young person growing up, first a teenager, and now then an an adolescent, then a teenager, then a person in their 20s, early 20s. But now, you know, it's time that we kind of pull things together. We're constantly reading about stories about corruption, waste, excess. And sure, Soweto is very different from Clifton in Cape Town. I don't live in Cape Town. I'm Clifton, by the way. I live on the Cape Flats. So I'm closer to the side of Soweto than I am to Clifton. So, so the idea is that, yes, we are this unequal society, but we haven't really seen, have we seen progress? I don't think so, you know? Um, and a lot of the, I mean, if you look at the Jacob Zuma presidency over nine years, I mean, so trillions of rands were squandered and wasted. Mm. And, um, and and that's a real pity, that's a real shame. So my message was, also there's an over-reliance on citizens by government. It's time for citizens also to grow up and become mm. active citizens in their, space, in their spaces and leaders in their own rights, you know? Mm, mm. I, I love the line in uh, your article where, where you say, when you were born, you showed so much potential. You were the envy of the world and world leaders were holding this newborn baby up as an example to the rest of the world. And I love the analogy uh, and how you you know liken it to a baby because it, it is true. Every baby, when the, the baby is born, shows tremendous promise, you know, and the baby 
is held up to their relatives, right? To say, look at baby X. Baby X has finally arrived healthy. And, uh, you know, he he's showing these particular traits. He probably is going to be this way. But in truth, as some would say, uh, you know, sometimes a priest will have a baby, but uh, that baby turns out not being anything at all like the priest. Where did we go wrong? And what should we do to grow up, as you say? Yeah, I think um, when South Africa was born, I mean, like I mentioned in the column, it was a great time for the world. We went through enormous turmoil as a nation during apartheid. I mean, it was absolutely horrific what happened during those days. And for us to to reach a, 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 I'd call it a relatively peaceful transition because it wasn't that peaceful as we tried to make it out to be. You know, we all were kind of conned by this whole rainbow nation ideal that didn't exactly pan out. So when I say that we had great potential, so we slipped down. We, we, we slipped in terms of race relations. It's still an issue because I, I believe we haven't spoken about it. We didn't deal with it properly when we were supposed to. And we were happy to buy into this whole Rainbow Nation thing, winning the Rugby World Cup and then the AFCON. You know, and so we had all these false dawns and we never really pulled it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so, you know, South Africa looked, I mean, the world looked at South Africa as a kind of guide for morality. We can't, we can no longer call ourselves a guide for morality, you know, because we've also slipped down a few notches. Yeah. So, so the- it's important, it's important when we take stands against um, um, Israel for its actions against Palestine, but we also have to be consistent. We have to take the same kind of anger and direct it at Russia for its invasion of Ukraine and also Saudi Arabia for its bombing of Yemen. You know, we have to be consistent as this nation that Mandela kind of envisioned for us. Yeah. Speaking of Mandela, you talk in your article about, you know, us having forgotten to talk about our pain. And uh, we, we, we all know how necessary it is to vocalize your pain uh, for you to even begin the process of your healing. And uh, you speak of Mandela. And we, we almost romanticized uh, our democracy to an extent where we forgot to have real and tangible conversations about our pain. You say, uh, there's a part where you say perhaps it was in that moment that the plot unraveled. We were so desperate to get along that we forgot to talk about our pain, talk about our pain as a nation. And here we are, Our because we're literally unraveling, right? Uh, in a way. And part of the reason probably that we are unraveling in the way that we're unraveling is we forgot to honestly bear our pain. Yeah, no, I think so. And and it's unfolding the way um, we see the conversation about xenophobia is unfolding and the whole issue of undocumented foreign nationals. There's a distinct, in my mind, and this is my observation, um, I'm not saying it is this way, but I think a distinct lack of compassion for undocumented foreigners. Now, we must remember, when you travel to New York, when you go to London, when you go to all these big cities, there's a massive, massive migrant population. Whether they're legal or not is another story altogether. Now, that policy failing is a failing on the government. But when the people are here, we mustn't, because they're illegal, it doesn't give us 
a license to lose our humanity, you know? Mm. And mm. I think I think our own pain, because it hasn't been dealt with, we're almost in our in a second wave of of of, of oppression and we we're the victims of oppression are in danger of becoming the actual oppressors, you know, and that is a very, very dangerous thing, you know. For yeah. a country like South Africa, steeped in human rights, with the constitution we have, and and on the whole, I believe South Africans are peace-loving people. So, I think what I'm what I was trying to say there is because we didn't deal with those issues. I read the other day that many in South Africa have among the highest mental health issues in the world. Mm. I don't think the most, but among the, the highest, most, you know, the among the highest, yeah, yeah, among, among the most prevalent, and mm. it can't be an accident, you know, that there are men on both sides, people who were conscripted from the white community, people who lived in townships who were persecuted and hunted by the apartheid security. If they're around today, and they haven't dealt with those issues, and they haven't spoken about their pain and the fears that they have going forward. I mean, we're sitting here with a very wounded nation, I'm afraid, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, you know, uh, there, there's a part, because at the start of our conversation, I I said, uh, you know, we have to look at South Africa a lot through socioeconomic lenses. And I made the example of yes, yourself yes. living uh, where you live in the Western Cape and uh, a, a boy in uh, Soweto. In your article, you talk about South Africa having blown its uh, pocket money. You say you you blew your pocket money, Africa Bura, and estimated 1.5 trillion of it during the Zuma years. You say you hung out with the wrong friends while your parents had warned you about those Gupta brothers uh, from <laughs> Sex and World. And 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 and, and I, I don't know. I think uh, you probably wrote uh, your article before the last part of. Uh, um, the, the, the Zondo Commission re- report uh, came out and, you know, laid bare the things, for example, that happened uh, in, in ESCOM. How then, according to your lenses, do we deal with the impact of the loss of that 1.5 uh, trillion rand in terms of advancing the socioeconomic conditions of average South Africans who may not even have been born at that time, but uh, bear the brunt of it today? No, 100%. You know, I'm the descendant of slaves in Cape Town. You know, my forebears my, my didn't ask to come to South Africa. They were brought here as slaves. Mm. And, and my generations later, myself and my family have had to find a way. Sometimes people think I'm a foreigner. I look like a Bangladeshi or a Pakistani, and that hurts as well. I mean, I laugh about it like you do, but sometimes it's very painful. Like, yeah. You know, when you have to prove to somebody that you're South African. So the idea is that all that pain needs to be challenged mm. uh, so, sorry, uh, uh, and, and channeled into a very positive movement by the people of South Africa, you know? Mm. You know that old phrase in Clip Town, the people shall govern, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I, want, I would like to see that. I, I'm also an active citizen in, in my city where, and where I live, you know? Yeah. I'll give you an example. Our trains, for example. Our trains in Cape Town have been stagnant for a while. People don't trust it anymore. It's not safe. It's not reliable. So there's a small movement called Catch the Train. Mm. And mm. it's led by somebody called Lorenzo David. He's also an activist and the former CEO of uh, Community Chess. Mm-hmm. So we started 
taking the train, posting about it on social media and encouraging South Africans to take the trains back. It's a game changer. Mm. If you can consider a 20 or 30 kilometer journey that costs you eight rand mm-hmm. to get you to a place when um, the price of petrol, you can't even spend half a litre, eight rand won't even buy you half a litre of petrol. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the trains are a game changer. So by sitting and taking back what belongs to the people of South Africa and not saying, you know, I'm going to wait for government this and the government that. And I realize how difficult that is for somebody sitting in Soweto who can't um, see the agency for themselves, you know, because mm. they find themselves in very, very difficult uh, circumstances. But I think it's a whole of society change that needs to happen. We yeah. still live in pockets, especially in Cape Town. Mm. We still live They're in pockets everywhere. Where, where there's a suburb like Langa where predominantly black people, or mostly black, if not all the people there are black, mm-hmm. and next door is a suburb like Bontierville, like where predominantly colored people live. Mm-hmm. And they, those neighbors don't talk to each other. You know, in the middle, the street that separates in the border, mm-hmm. in, Ash, in quotation marks, is called Jake Scherville Drive. Now, how ironic is that? A guy that fought in, for, 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 for in the struggle... As, a, as an intellectual and as part of Madiba's administration, mm, mm. you know, and so and so, I think political parties in this part of the world, in particular in, in the Western Cape, have done a very good job of creating voting blocks mm. and keeping people apart. You know, yeah. when, if we use our common humanity, we can forge a lot more dynamic changes in our societies. You know, I sense a tinge of optimism at the end of. Um of your article, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Gassant, and as as we round off our discussion, I, I want to uh, have you cast your mind's eye forward uh, because uh, you you saying at the end, you say, imagine, imagine we finally live up to our full potential as a powerhouse at the tip of Africa. Take some advice from a chap, that's you, of course, who got married at 28 and who <laughs> will be celebrated because I love that you liken it to yourself as a, you, yeah. you liken the article to yourself as a 28 eight-year-old getting married and not really being sure what you're doing. But here you are 15 years later, uh, this June, you're celebrating your 15th anniversary. And and, and you say, stop the defense uh, to power drunk politicians and start doing it for yourself. It's time to grow up South Africa. What do we do as you cast your mind's eye as uh, we grow up as these 28-year-olds? So I think politics is relative to you, the circumstances and the conditions you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. So if I have a field across the road from me and people are dumping there, where I'm really yearning to play football with my son there, that's my politics. It's mm. not the politics of Julius Malema walking around. That's not politics. Mm-hmm. That's identity politics. You know, Those, We turn people into these celebrity figures. You know, But the real politics is the bread and butter issue. Mm-hmm. And I think when people grasp that, there will be a sea change in the election results. A government should be there to facilitate a thriving economy and a thriving business, not to drive around. I read, I read this this morning that in the last three years, 20 million rand was spent on new vehicles for ministers. Hey. We have two years of COVID. Mm. Where were they driving? It's nuts. It's absolutely crazy when there are people going hungry in places like Soweto. Mm. You know? Mm. When there are no houses going around, so that needs to stop that excess. Why is our cabinet so big? 
Yeah. So people, I'm not saying we need a result like we saw in July last year, but we need to try. We need to be practical about it, and we need to challenge the status quo. As all of the people in South Africa, whether you rich, poor, old, young, because when everybody thrives, we all thrive. Yeah, absolutely, know? absolutely. Great article, and uh, you know, well done on, on how you broke down South Africa from baby to teenager, <laughs> uh, you know, to to twenty eight year old. Beautiful article. Uh, tell uh, people who haven't read it where they can find it, please, and what your okay. socials are as well, so that they can follow you. Okay, I'm on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my day <laughs> at Chasante Bader. Mm-hmm. And you can read my articles by typing in hashtag slice of Hassan mm-hmm. at etc. Fantastic talking to you, Hassan. Have a lovely day and thank you for your Cheers, time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a lovely public holiday. Cheers. You, you, you too. Here I am working, uh, but you too. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers. Uh, eh? Cheers. Uh, Hassan Abada, columnist uh, for Cape Town, etc. Read that article. Uh, likens uh, this twenty-eight-year-old uh, uh, democracy uh, to all you know uh, 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 to all of the many phases of uh, uh, that somebody who's 28 years old has gone through uh, from baby and the rebellion of uh, teenage years and uh, adulthood and uh, but is very sunny side up uh, towards the end and wants us uh, you know to take the bull by the horns and uh, redefine the space and uh, go forward